Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And win or lose, all we want, the American people, all New Yorkers, all American people, all we want is the truth. Uh, in the studio today, we got Judge Richard Weinberg. Tony Carbonetti is here. How are you, Tony? I'm good, John. How are you? He was uh, what, chief of staff. Of, chief of uh, staff to the greatest mayor, mayor New York City's ever mayor seen. Mayor Rudy Giuliani. And Who is a law and order guy, and we need law and order people. We need law and order. <laughs> Craig Eaton, how are you, Craig? Good, John. Great to be here, as always. And, you know, and Rita? What the heck is going on? Oh, my God. Well, it's election night, and everybody has a few more hours night. left. John. I went to vote. Good for you. I yes. I went to vote. Me and Margo went to vote after lunch, and we went up to, uh, I think, 68th Street or 78th Street or something like that. And, well, I walked up to the second floor. The elevators were out. Ah. So I wonder uh-oh. how many elderly people... Didn't get to vote because the elevators were. Well, That's College? a shame. Wow. Is that what it is? Uh, we, no, were you at Hunter College? Is that what you vote? Yeah, I think so. And they don't have an elevator to the second floor? Nope. You have to go to the other side of the building to let you up. Wow. Maybe. That's a process. Now, John, was it an now, iPad? When you check in, they give you an iPad now, don't they? Yes. And you have to no identify yourself. No, 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 identify, but they didn't ask you for ID. They just no, give you a name. Not ask ask you could say you were Tony Carbonetti. Yeah. Yes. And they'd say, when did you get so good-looking, Tony? That's what... <laughs> they did not ask me for ID. And you want to know something? I signed in. I signed in totally different than my signature. And they said, that's close enough. Ah, that's, uh, that's not good. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even decipherable, my signature, from what my signature was on the pad. So, now, you know, I no understand. One's looking. That's the first not good. 10 days of, uh, uh, of the five, six million people eligible to vote, the first 10 days was only 85,000. Yes. And how I, much did I, we I pay just, for that? Uh, seven and a half million dollars to do the early. Someone? Can someone figure out how much that is a minute? <laughs> and, and I understand from uh, Curtis Lee, I passed him in the hallway here, uh, and he says a uh, very light uh, uh, turnout today. Very light turnout today. And when I went to my polling place, I asked them. I asked all the poll workers there, and they said there was hardly anyone voting. Why do we not just make election day a holiday? And have it one day. No, I, I got a better one. I mean, you can't have 10 days. I think that's too No, it's ridiculous. I said Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And that's it. And if you can't, you know, if, if you're in the hospital, we'll give you an absentee ballot. I early voted, by the way, for the record, too, because I think it's important. I mean, there, there are people Can around the world that are begging. To... John, she's the one. Seven and a half million dollars right there. Yeah. No, seven and a quarter just for me. I'll give you a discount. How's that? All right. Where are we, where, where are we going to uh, well, today? We have, we uh, have Ed Cox right now. Oh, uh, take uh, Let's yep. find out what the pulse is going on. Absolutely. Of course, Ed Cox. So we always we miss you in studio, Ed. Of course, a New York GOP chair. Great to What's have you pulse? here. What's the Pulse what's going on, on in New York? In the studio or not. What's going on in New York? Well, we have an election uh, going on uh, today, and we expect good results from it. Uh, I think it is a continuation of the red wave, the Republican wave that started here in New York in 2021. We, everyone's surprised. Uh, are people but, angry about law and order? Absolutely. And that is driving it. And also, they just want to have good common sense government. 
And in 2021, we swept everything in Nassau County, got the DA in Suffolk County. We got the legislature in Suffolk County. And now in this election, we're going to get the county exec in Suffolk County. And, and course, no, I hear that Nassau and Suffolk County is the safety zone where, where people are going to feel safe there because there's law and order. There's law and order there. There's law and order. It's Long Island. Long Island is a will be after tonight a Republican bastion. We'll have all four congressional seats, the two county exec seats, and every other office, every other countywide office in Suffolk County and Nassau County. And there will be law and order. I assure you on Long Island. Have you heard anything on the national uh, front? I haven't yet. Not about Virginia or Kentucky. Uh, haven't haven't heard. What about are the those key races yet. on the national front? There's a uh, governor's race in Kentucky. I think the Virginia Youngkin, Mississippi. Wants- That's Mississippi. a big one. Yes. He can pick up in the Senate. Uh, he hold on to his majority in the House of Delegates. That's the uh, the one house of the of the uh, legislature, and pick up two seats in the Senate. So he's got a Republican majority and can get his program through. And there's a national focus on that. Yeah, what do you think the chances are? Uh, by the way, I saw that he spent raised $7 million, a lot of it, so he can hopefully turn both of the, the delegates and the Senate uh, red. We're talking about Youngkin. Right, that's a big governor thing. again, so he's got to spend but it on But that's the, a on lot of sure. money just for a legislative race. It is, but he has been on fire ever since he started campaigning in 2021. He's a great campaigner. And it and it, it's it's national. I mean, he made a national, particularly in education, in 2021, and now he's doing in other areas, including, as you know, John, the energy area. Yes, yes. He wants to convert the energy of our country from uh, from fossil fuels over the next 10, 20, 30 years uh, to uh, SMRs. Yeah, he's a big visionary, nuclear. like you are. I mean, yeah. he's he definitely is someone who is forward thinking. That's going to be a big race. Also, um, you talked about Kentucky. It'll be interesting to see if uh, Daniel Cameron uh, replaces yep. Bashir. Also, Mississippi. Yep. Uh, I know the GOP governor there is trying to hang on. Uh, he's got a challenge on the Democratic side. He's awfully good. He is. He, he's deceptively good. I, I have no doubt that, that we're going to win in Mississippi. Now, let me just ask you a Hail Mary. What is going to happen with uh, Tiffany Caban, who is definitely probably the most uh, defund the police or one of the most in New York City? She should lose, but uh, I I just don't know. I mean, that's uh, that's well, we'll know. I guess we'll know in four hours. We'll know in four hours, definitely. Keep us posted, Ed. Keep us posted, and everybody, stay tuned to ABC. And we'll see you in the studio, and we'll and we'll either be uh, laughing or crying tomorrow afternoon. (laughs) We'll see you tomorrow night. Okay, very good. See you then. And thank you, thanks, Ed. And uh, joining us now, we have uh, Professor Alan Dershowitz, uh, because, by the way, uh, obviously a lot of eyes on the election, but also there are huge protests. And right now there's a big pro-Palestinian protest taking place outside of New York City. And the chants are uh, genocide, Joe, you gotta go. Yeah, where is the protest? This is right outside of City Hall in New York City right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And it was a quite a big crowd that's happening. And Alan Dershowitz, this is happening all over the country and getting bigger and bigger. Well, is that part well, of not, the, not, the, the Joe Biden fan club run by Saudi Arabia? <laughs> it may be, or Iran. Well, but none, none of these demonstrations are pro-Palestine. I'm pro-Palestine. I favor a two-state solution. These are anti-Palestine because they favor Hamas. And Hamas is the Palestinians' worst enemy. 
These are virulently anti-Semitic, pro-Hamas, anti-Palestinian, anti-Israel, anti-Jewish demonstration. These are Hitler's youth. These are the people who, if terrorism comes to the United States, many of the people in these crowds would become terrorists. The way in the 1960s, you remember some of the extreme leftists blew up schools, University of Wisconsin, planted bombs, tried to plant bombs uh, at Fort Dix. Uh, Remember that 12th Street uh, blow up of the house? It's going to happen again. It's coming to a theater near you. What's going on in Israel is only a coming attraction. I I think it's even worse than that. I think it's even worse than that. and I and I agree with you. I think you have, when I saw uh, I was with Bill Clinton last week. His biggest disappointment was he couldn't get a uh, a two state solution. No, of course I remember that. He told me that. Look, I had uh, breakfast just a few weeks ago with Yunkin. This is a man who's really going to go places. I think he is going to be a presidential candidate uh, before long. He's done great stuff in Virginia. And uh, the other thing I want to make clear about elections. Anybody who runs against the squad, they can be Democrat, Republican, independent. I will support them financially. I will go and campaign for them. I'll do anything to defeat the squad. I don't care if they're Democrats or Republicans. They are hurting America. They are essentially destroying the values that we hold so dear in this country. And, and you They're know, trying to change the country. On. Who is funding them, Professor? Well, I think Qatar is funding them. I think Saudi Arabia was funding them. I think it's getting a little nervous now because Saudi Arabia realizes they're next on the list. I mean, one of the reasons for these horrible beheadings and rapes had nothing to do with Israel. It has to do much more with Saudi Arabia, that Saudi Arabia was about to join the uh, Abraham Accords and become the enemy of Iran. And Iran said to the people uh, in Hamas and Hezbollah, you have to uh, make this attack. But, but Iran hired hired ten thousand Hamases uh, at ten thousand dollars a piece. That's only a hundred yeah. million dollars. I mean, that's chump change. That, that's nothing for them. But and that's they too, get a, but and then they get a you have United States. You, you have you have two million uh, Palestinians suffering, and you have uh, uh, eight million Israelis suffering. Yeah, and it's all Iran's fault, which is why by the end of this. There has to be an attack on Iran's nuclear reactor. And they the United States gave them the money yeah, to, to, yeah, to, yeah. To, to do the terrorist war. I mean, Trump had them down to 400,000 barrels a day. They're pumping three and a half million barrels. Yeah. They're making $2 billion a week. Yeah, that's and one a- of the villains. One of the villains of this whole thing is a man, tragically, I voted for and who I remember as a law student, Barack Obama. Barack Obama made an obscene comparison yesterday, the day before. I couldn't believe that. He compared compared the rapes, the beheadings, the kidnappings to Israel's non-occupation of the Gaza Strip. Is he an ignoramus? Doesn't he know that Israel stopped occupying the Gaza Strip and that the occupation has nothing to do with what these people did? They want to kill Jews. They want no Jews in Israel. You know, Professor Dershowitz, I found that so disgusting that President Barack Obama said, oh, put him in no clean hands is what he basically. I mean, that to me, from an American president who shipped so much money in the middle of the night on those pallets of cash, remember? And how dare he right now when our ally is getting surrounded almost in every direction and he sits there and basically blames Israel? That was shameful. Personally, he 
called me when I was in Israel and he asked me to come to the Oval Office this is when he was running for the second term. I went to the Oval Office and he said, Alan, you've known me for a long time. You know, you were at Harvard. I was at Harvard. You know, I have Israel's back. And he promised me that he would never allow Iran to develop a nuclear program. What I didn't realize when he said he had Israel's back, he meant to paint the target on. He then went to the United Nations and allowed them in the last his days of office to declare the Western Wall, Hebrew University, the access road to Hadassah Hospital, all illegally occupied territory. So we know what Obama, what Obama means when he says occupied. He means Israel. But he you know, you know Israel. what's so dangerous, Professor Dershowitz? What gets me so mad is you know that these people who are on the Arab street and there were a million people. I looked at like in Turkey that were protesting in Jordan. I mean, massive crowds. They are playing those clips. All they have to do is say, look, the former president of the United States says this. And then also they play Rashida Tlaib. Look, here's a member of Congress. That to me is so dangerous right now when Israel literally at this moment has Gaza City surrounded. They're right around the Hamas headquarters, literally as we speak right now. And then we have the former president saying that. Yeah, no, it's disgraceful. I broke my relationship with Obama. I used to be a friend of his. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story about it. So uh, I invited him to my, I think it was my 75th birthday, and he accepted. And then he found out that uh, Geraldo Rivera would be there. And he was at the time on Fox. And he gave me an ultimatum. He said, uh, unless you disinvite Geraldo Rivera, I can't come. And what I said to him is then don't come. I'm not disinviting my friend Geraldo Rivera. And so, although he was my next-door neighbor, Barack Obama, he didn't come to my birthday party because I didn't accept his ultimatum not to disinvite, to disinvite Geraldo Rivera. Wow. I'm a loyal guy. I don't yeah. invite people. We have, uh, uh, Judge Weinberg has Alan, a question for you. Alan, I just read a very interesting article which is talking about the whole attempt by the Muslim Brotherhood to have what they call false assimilation. So it happened in Western Europe, it's happening in England, it may be happening in the United States, where people who are coming from Mideastern countries, dangerous countries, pretend they want to assimilate and be part of the, the larger culture, but in fact, they're creating their own underground fifth column waiting for the call. Do you know about that? Uh, by the way, um, Alex, uh, Professor Dershowitz, I just want to say uh, to your point, uh, Alex uh, Garrett, of course, one of our producers, just said that they are blocking the Manhattan Bridge right now as we speak with the protests. Go ahead, Professor. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't block the New York Marathon. I thought for sure they would try to disrupt it. They think they can do anything. They can get away with anything. If you can rape and behead and kidnap and People support you, and Harvard, 33 groups at Harvard support you, and the National Guild support you. Why should they stop at anything? Uh, And as Hamas leaders have said, we're going to do it again and again and again. And they're not going to do it only in Israel. It's coming to a theater near you. Alan, could you go back? Could you go back? Because I want to get your feelings or your thoughts about this false assimilation. Because if that's correct, if that's part of the brothers. It's absolutely correct. It's absolutely okay. Now, how correct. dangerous. So let's talk about that, because that's what's really dangerous, because that's the infiltration of our society and all of Western Europe. Talk about that. There's, please. No, there's no question that there are fifth columns that are being planted by Hamas and its supporters in Iran in all of the Western democracies. We're seeing it in Sweden. We're seeing it in France. And I believe we're seeing it in the United States. These, many of them, some of them are wonderful people. I met many of them when they were my students, and they really want to become Americans. But there are too many of them that want to remain extremists and want to see uh, a Sharia-ruled government, both 
in the United States and in every country. And, and, you know, they have free speech rights and we have to recognize their free speech rights. But we also have the right to expose them for what they are and to hold them accountable for their uh, opposition to America, to Judeo-Christian values and to uh, democracy. And, uh, you know, the, the, what, we don't know what we don't know, just like we didn't know what we didn't know before 9-11. And Israel didn't know what it didn't know before its 9-11, which was October 7th. And so we really have to increase our intelligence uh, about these matters. Professor, are you keeping the, your pulse on any other race other than Yunkin race uh, right now in Virginia, <laughs> which is a, a major race to decide the pulse of America? Uh, you know, I'm, I care about abortion rights, and I'm watching abortion rights as well. Um, you know, fortunately, Israel, the Middle East, has really not become uh, a divisive uh, issue in on the ballots. It's become a divisive issue within the Democratic Party. But so far, we don't see that affecting any elections. But uh, look, it's only yeah. a year from now, and I think that already we've been told by um, Muslim extremists that they're not going to vote for uh, Biden, because he's too too pro-Israel. Who are they going to vote for? <laughs> They're not going to vote for Donald Trump. I guess they'll stay home, which will probably be good for America. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Professor Dershowitz, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate oh, it. Pleasure. Thank, thank you. you, Professor. Stay safe. Yeah, stay thank safe. You. And uh, today, uh, some updates on the Joe Biden front, the investigation. Uh, we have Fox News legal analyst Greg Jarrett coming up after the break. And we're also going to talk uh, to great political consultant Hank Scheinkoff and get another pulse on what's going on in these big elections tonight. Stay with us on Cotton and Cosby. Hi, it's Lou Dobbs for Priority Gold, America's precious metals dealer. These are volatile times with high inflation, soaring debt, wars on multiple continents, and rising financial stress. Central banks are buying gold to diversify their reserves, so are many Americans. Call Priority Gold and find out how precious metals can help you diversify your portfolio. They're highly rated and happy to help. Call 1-866-303-6357 or get a free gold guide at PriorityGoldGuide.com. That's Priority PriorityGoldGuide.com. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. And some big breaking news here on Cats and Cosby. Congressman James Comer, of course, who does the Oversight Committee in Congress, now it's just coming out he is expected to subpoena Biden family members this week. Wow, the investigation's heating up. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this is Greg Jarrett, Fox News legal analyst. And also, Greg has a great new book that has just come out, too, as well. It is the Constitution of the United States and the Patriotic Documents. It comes out next week. Perfectly timed, Greg. Uh, Greg, what do you make of this, the subpoena? Well, I, they're long overdue. I mean, the Bidens, the entire Biden family should have been issued subpoenas 
both to produce documents, uh, records of their financial transactions, tens of millions of dollars uh, in overseas payola uh, from the very countries over which Joe Biden uh, had authority as vice president, but also their testimony. Uh, You know, I think it's important that they appear under oath and answer some penetrating questions. You know, it's pretty pretty clear, based on the testimony of Devin Archer, Hunter's former partner, that, you know, they were selling promises of influence and access to Joe Biden to places like China, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Russia. Um, and, you know, that jeopardizes uh, national security, as James Conner has pointed out. And it puts a lie to Joe's repeated claims that, you know, neither he or his son ever made money from, for example, China. They most certainly did. In fact, Hunter had to admit it in federal court. Yeah, I made loads of money from China. Uh, And in fact, Joe met personally with his son's Chinese partners. Uh, And only after he met with those partners did the money flow like a river to the Bidens. Greg, it's it's Richard Weinberg. Good to talk to you again. Well, I'll tell you what I'm concerned about. Weiss, who's the uh, U.S. attorney in Delaware, now the special counsel went to Congress today and he said, oh, it had nothing to do with politics in terms of uh, the way he handled the the Biden family investigation. The real question is, Greg, why didn't they get a waiver of the statute of limitations or why didn't they indict to preserve the statute of limitations? They allowed some of the most interesting, important, compelling, corrupt allegations to fall by the wayside because of the statute of limitations. Your thoughts? Well, Judge, you put your finger right on one of the most important uh, issues in the case. Uh, unless you're protecting the Bidens, you would, uh, you know, never waive the statute of limitations. I mean, no prosecutor does that. It's fairly routine. Uh, you say, sign this waiver, I'm going to bring charges right now. And, of course, the suspect always uh, signs the waiver. They didn't do that with Hunter Biden because he received special treatment, uh, preferential treatment in a politically driven case to protect the Bidens. And today, David Weiss, when he appeared before the Judiciary Committee, contradicted himself. Uh, He uh, denied that he ever sought special counsel status. Uh, And, uh, you know, today he said, yes, I did seek special counsel status in the spring of last year. Well, in writing in, in July, he said, no, I never sought special counsel staff. So he was either lying in his letter to Congress in July. How do you forget asking to be today. a special counsel? Yeah, that's a great question. Tony Carbonetti said, how do you forget asking, uh, you know, to be special counsel? Like, uh, that's yeah. a that's a hard thing to forget. Yeah, but, but he, he, was too, he, he was too busy cutting the, the sweetheart deal. Yeah, and he, his testimony today also put a lie to Merrick Garland's testimony. Garland, you know, told Congress, no. Uh, David Weiss never asked for a special counsel status. Really? Well, today he told that same committee, yeah, I did in the spring of 2022. So, you know, people are lying and they're lying to cover up for the Bidens. They're running a protection racket. David Weiss will never bring the appropriate charges that anybody else not named Biden would face. That includes bribery, influence peddling under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, money laundering, tax evasion, tax fraud, all of those charges should have been brought. In fact, agents and prosecutors had agreed to bring them when David Weiss uh, tore up the document. 
And uh, Craig Eaton has a question for you, Greg Jarrett. You know, Greg, it, it appears to me that, that Weiss and everyone else, they're all on the, on the Biden team. And the only thing that disappoints me is that Comer has so much ammunition right now, and it's just taking too long. I mean, if this was Trump on the other end, Trump would have been executed already. Yeah. And, you know, oh, yeah. what is taking so long? <laughs> Fifteen you know, times. Look, I've seen, I've, I saw that $40,000 check how many times already? I've heard about all these relationships that he had when he was vice president with all these countries that he was working with as the vice president and how his brother and his son and his family made millions and millions of dollars. Everybody knows that. It's all baked in already. Let's just get to the meat. Let's prosecute him. Let's question him. Let's get the subpoenas out there and let's move this forward much faster than it's proceeding. Well, you know, Congress, unfortunately, doesn't have the ability to prosecute anybody. It's got to be done by Merrick Garland's Department of Justice, and they're in the back of the Bidens. So, it's you know, it's not going to happen. I mean, Comer has been investigating this now for just 10 months, and he's already uncovered documents showing $24 million in foreign money flowing to the Biden family. Give him another 10 months, and he'll probably find three times as much money because in my estimation, they make close to a hundred million dollars. Is there any, from, any doubt from, in a lot of people's <laughs> minds, uh, Greg, that uh, the Biden family has crossed the line? I no honest, reasonable person uh, would ever doubt that they crossed the line. You know, uh, when you're, it, it is. Look it up. It's eighteen USA two hundred one. If you Use your public office to confer promises and benefits to a foreign government or entity in exchange for money to yourself or your family. It doesn't have to be to Joe Biden. It can be to his family. You have committed the crime of bribery. And anybody else would have been criminally charged other than a Biden. Absolutely. Everybody, by the way, you wrote a great column about where's the money of, of kind of playing off of that. It's on thegregjarrett.com. Again, the book next week is The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents from my patriotic friend, Greg Jarrett. Thank you so much, Greg. My pleasure. Take care, all. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, joining us now, we have political strategist Hank, Hank Shankoff. There's nobody uh, uh, in Democratic politics that knows more than Hank Shankoff knows. Hank, what the heck is going on out there? Well, thank you, John, for the compliment. I don't know that it's true, but it's flattering. Um, what's going on? <laughs> I think that I think the country's in very serious trouble politically, and I think that uh, you know we're, we can. Are we on the verge of a civil war? We're uh, we're the here's what's happening. I think Pax Americana, which uh, which is the the gift that those those boys who were laying in military graves, particularly at Normandy, gave us after the Second World War, is now coming to conclusion. The American capacity to keep the world under some kind of control is, appears to be ending. We're facing a war against the Iranians, the Russians, and the Chinese, and the first uh, first first hot battle in public is in Israel. And uh, the economy's changing. I mean, everything around us is changing. We have a generation behind us that has no sense of service or desire to, to serve the nation anyway. So what do people think is going to happen? You know, our politics are, are adrift because we're losing the very basis of our civic culture. We are. And um, you can't you can't replace it that quickly. Hank, it's Tony Carbonetti. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, well, first of all, militarily, I, I don't worry about Iran. I don't worry about China. I don't worry about Russia. Russia's already proven that they're not even in, in China's league. Um, but what you said about the next generation, that, that we let these kids grow up hating America. 
You know, we, we can't be surprised about what happens next. How did we let this happen? You know, there, there's no sense. You go back and, and uh, Chris Wallace wrote a book uh, about the Manhattan Project and the the sense of, of, of U.S. pride, people moving their families to Los Alamos, not even understanding what they were working on, but they just knew it was for the greater good. That's only 80 years ago. Not true. Look, 80 years is nothing in the history of the world. So are we close to a civil war? We have nothing to, to hold people back. I mean, there's no – the Kiwanans are dying. The Lions are dying. The Elks, the Masons, the the, the local uh, local party clubs that were – all of these are part of the civic culture that keeps people in place where they can at least talk about things. We don't have that anymore. And we also have something that I've, I've called the political industrial complex, which are people in the business that I've been part of for the last umpty years. I was solidly in the second generation of it, but we all we thought we were warriors, that we were doing the right thing for what we believed was appropriate. We make a couple of bucks. Now it's become an industry, like other industries, where politics and principles don't matter, and the desire to win doesn't matter. The desire to collect the cash matters, you know. And and we we watch this become, uh, you know, part of our daily lives. People uh, shouldn't, you know, the lobbying, the rest of it, all is in the same place to ensure that. People remain in power rather than power be shared in any way. So why would you expect anything to change? Hank Shankloff, thanks. And thank you. And uh, maybe we'll talk tomorrow. We're either going to have Kleenex or we're going to be uh, drinking. <laughs> Skipping, vodka, tiptoeing vodka. through the tulips. Thank, thank you, Hank. Thank you, Hank. All the best. Thank you. And uh, let's take this break now. When we come back, who are we coming back with? We have a lieutenant governor of Virginia, Winsome Sears. She's going to talk about the big Virginia race. Virginia, boy, I'd like to know what the heck is going on there. That's a big race around the country. Let's take that break first. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And it is election day across the country. Uh, 37 states, by the way, have elections. And one of the big, big races is in Virginia uh, because the governor and the lieutenant governor are trying to turn the legislature red right now. It is half Democrat, one, uh, one of the chambers. The other is led by the Republicans. And joining us now is Lieutenant Governor Winsome Sears of Virginia. Uh, Lieutenant Governor, so great to have you here. And also, thank you for your service in the Marine Corps. Thank you so much. Hurrah! <laughs> Winsome, yes, and the great Commonwealth of Virginia, formerly of the Bronx. Oh, no wonder we love you. Wow. Now we have even more reasons to love you. Say, right. this, this is a biggie race in Virginia. Explain, uh, why You're it is on so na- important. National focus. Everybody's looking at it, John. Well, it's because where Virginia goes, generally the rest of the country takes its flight. And, you know, we did that in 2021 when we were able to turn a blue state. It was not a purple state. It was absolutely blue and turned it into what we believe is more red than purple. And we're going to really push that if we, you know, get what we want, which is at least a 2020 Senate, if not more, and we win the House. And why is that? Because then we're going to get the transparent agenda through. We're going to have common sense ideas. We're going to have parents who understand that we support them. We do not support politicians over them and their uh, decisions that they make uh, when it comes to their educational choice of their children. 
when it comes to businesses, businesses need to know that they have a, a, a good partner here in the government because businesses are the job creators. They pay for the beautiful things we like in life, the schools, the roads, the bridges, the quality of life. We're getting rid of onerous regulation. Uh, we've got to have safety and security finally. And, of course, we're going to do that with the Republican agenda. Listen, we could not have won here in 2021 had enough Democrats and independents decided that their party had gone a bridge too far and they supported our common sense agenda. You know, I was watching um, your great governor who we've had here on the show, Governor Glenn Youngkin, and he was talking. I mean, first of all, he's been a, a campaign machine uh, raising millions of dollars because he understands how important it is uh, to turn Virginia red um, and some of these values and what's happening as you're talking so eloquently about. Uh, it must be your, your Bronx background that's getting that there, uh, which we love. Um, but what do you think is it how much do you think crime is also he was obviously talking a lot about education but i saw him today also saying people are really concerned it's something that i think every community around the country we're telling everybody vote for people who are going to keep you and your family safe that seems to be a big message there too from the governor and obviously from you yes so for example as president of the senate i preside every day while we're in session and I saw the fentanyl bill. You know, there are nine Virginians killed every day because of fentanyl. And by the way, it's hitting males more than females and black males in particular are dying more than any other group. And so the governor put in a bill to make sure that people understood if you're a drug dealer in fentanyl and they die, your customers die, you're going to prison. That's just the way it is. You know, you would have thought we had asked the Democrats for their firstborn because they, they, oh my goodness, one after the other, after the other, filibustered the thing until I put it to the vote and they killed it. They decided that they were going to side with the dealers, the drug dealers over the victims and their families. That, my good friends, is unheard of and it will not happen again if we win the House and the Senate. Furthermore, these uh, Democrats wanted to defund our police. Excuse me. Who do you think is going to uh, come when your home is being um, uh, invaded? Who, who, what, you think it's Ghostbusters? No. Right. So we need to <laughs> make organizations. sure. Ah, we've got to keep our police. We have now understand there, there are bad apples in every profession, bad, you know, bad doctors, lawyers, police, etc. We get rid of them, but we run with those who are excellent. Finally. You know, we have something in Virginia called Commonwealth Attorneys, and they're the ones who prosecute the cases. And you would think they're like your your attorney there. What's his name? Greg, whatever his name is, the DA. He's like the DA. And they refuse. Oh, Bragg. To Are you talking about Bragg? Yes, Alvin Bragg, Bragg yeah. Yes. They refuse to bring cases that would keep the criminals in prison, in jail, and keep our communities safe. By the way, there and, wasn't there a case, uh, Madam Lieutenant Governor, recently? It was uh, some kids who overdosed, and school administrators didn't tell the parents about it. And that, that's another thing. You know, so we've got the school boards. We have got problems. We've got to get But You know, I keep telling folks, if you want change, you've got to vote differently. You've got to get involved. And that's one reason Bravo. why the governor, Governor Young, kept pushing absentee ballots or early voting. Why? Because... In Virginia, we discovered that there were 500,000, count them, 500,000 Republicans who voted for us 
in 2021 that sat out the very next year when congressional races were happening. And these are people who only vote if there's a presidential race or if there's a gubernatorial race. Otherwise, you don't see them by. Yeah, you, you're right. You got to get them off their uh, took us, as we say here in New York. Um, uh, we are talking to the Lieutenant Governor of Virginia, Winsome Sears. Uh, Judge Weinberg has a question for you. Madam Lieutenant Governor, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm very yep. impressed by the work that you and the governor and your attorney general do in Virginia. It seems to me if you're going to have a civilized society, you have to have public safety, you have to have law and order. And so the stakes for you in Virginia is that you have to have both houses controlled by law and order people and the Democrats who stymied your efforts to protect the public of Virginia on the fentanyl are absolutely ridiculous people and they have to be stopped. And if you win in Virginia today, and it's so important, you are sending a message all across the country that people want to bring back law and order, public safety, and civilization. What are your thoughts about that? Oh, absolutely. You better believe that we are going to bring that bill back because Democrats killed it. I watched. They killed it. Now, we're also going to ensure that these smash and grabs, you know, where these organized uh, thieves that break into businesses and and take all the heist and go and, and nothing happens to them, not in Virginia, baby. We are going to prosecute you. You are going to jail because Commonwealth attorneys, or as you all have in in New York, the district attorneys, we're going to have people who prosecute you. So they're going to know. But let me tell you, we had a bill come through that said if you if you steal one thousand dollars of inventory, you know, off the floor, etc., then you're going to jail. The Democrats said no. You got to steal ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand. Yeah, one thousand isn't enough, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, and that would kill so many small businesses. They can't afford that, especially coming out of COVID, when the Democrats, when they had absolute power here in Virginia. See, I don't know how to defend that. How do you absolute. defend? Uh, uh, how do they defend themselves John, asking me, for that much? Let me tell you something, Madam Lieutenant Crazy. Governor. It's, it's Tony Carbonetti. I want to be the first person to say how happy I am that I heard you're moving back to New York and running for office here. <laughs> and you're going to take a lot of these policies that you've been doing in Virginia and bringing them back here to New York. You are I'm the first person who heard that. For- you are the very first person who heard that. I'm starting that rumor right now. Right now. Don't start any trouble there. I'm staying right thank, here in Virginia. Thank you, Lieutenant Governor. Thank, thank you. you so much. We and, deeply uh, appreciate it. Yeah, good luck tonight. We can't wait luck. to hear her. Thank you. Great job. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. wow. She's terrific. She's she? fu- I love her. Listen, she, and and uh, no wonder she's a want to be safe. I, I don't understand. I don't understand who is pushing the, the Democratic agenda for, 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 for this nonsense. $10,000 to a small business, John? Might as well bankrupt them. Right. And she said that when it was 1000 they voted it down. It wasn't high enough. Like, like let's give them more slack for repeat offenders. This is crazy. Well, uh, we have with us now uh, the executive director. He is of the Board of Elections. And Craig, Craig you, Eaton, you want to bring him in? You want to bring him yep. in? Uh, Mike Ryan, uh, executive director of the New York City Board of Elections, a good friend of ours here at WABC who reports awesome. to us every election day. Mike, welcome. Thank you for joining us tonight. What's good going evening, on? everybody. What is going on around the city? Uh, well, this is a relatively uh, quiet election in the four-year election cycle. It's what we call the off-year uh, election cycle. Uh, there's no major office at the top of the ticket uh, across the city. So, so you're not even going to have 10% voting? 
Well, uh, we'll have to see. As of 3 o'clock this afternoon, we had a total of uh, almost 313,000 voters, uh, which is not 10% at that point. And that includes so, the early voting of 85,000. So there's really includes, as of 3 o'clock. inclusive of the early voting. Yeah. That's correct. That, that's, that's shameful. It's shameful with all the problems we have in this city that people aren't getting out of their chairs, getting in their cars, racing to the polling sites to try and make a change in this city. And especially when uh, some of there's, there are some stark contrasts, um, and we put it out there on WABC, those who are supporting law and order, those who are not such big supporters like we were just talking about, Tony. I mean, there's a lot of big things on the ballot, Craig, too, that are really hanging, uh, you know, that people don't really, city council decides a lot of these things. But, you know, if, if, if you're not happy with what's happening in the city, you have to get your voice out there. And how you do that is you vote. We need to send a message. I mean, we need to build the Republican base in the city council. Almost all of the city council races are up today, and we need to get more Republicans so we can push back on the progressives and all the other city council and, and, and also against City Hall. And without without getting more Republicans in office, our shot of getting any anything done is useless. Yeah, well, but, but whether Democrat or Republican. Yeah, just get out and vote. Sense. Just get out and vote yes. and, and vote for common, common sense, sense and I vote agree. for people to be safe. And that's what I said in my newspaper ad. I agree. I said, vote for people to be safe. That's what people want. 540,000 people have moved away from New York City and uh, New York State. Why? Because they can't walk around. Yeah, and by the way, in elections like this, John, every vote counts, especially when, uh, you know, it's, it's not it's not a full year, if you will. It's an off year. But this is why you definitely need to get out because it matters. This it really how, matters. This is how the party infrastructure beats us. Yes. Because they, they start these elections with X number of votes. Now, what's your message, Mike, to, to people out there? Because they still have a few more hours in New York. The polls close at 9 o'clock. They still got time. Well, the citizens of New York City pay for the elections, uh, whether people show up or not. So we have to put on the show whether uh, there are participants or there's not participants. My way of saying it is like if you have a dinner party and you, and you invite 100 people over your house and only 20 people show up, you still have to go through the same effort for this for the 100 people. How many people do you hire for today? You don't know my How dinner parties. They all show up when I invite them. Like, they bring dates. You know? like, well, I have to be invited then. Uh, but the um, we we have about, uh, about 35,000 poll workers uh, citywide. So they each count 10 votes today? Well, it's it's not the question of counting the votes. They have to make the machines available uh, and the opportunity available to all of the voters. There's 4.6 million registered voters in the city of New York, and we have to make the sites available for everybody. Well, everyone has three hours to get out there and vote. Well, you know, I think the 100%. answer is the answer is if you're happy with the way New York City is operating right now, then stay home and watch TV. But if you're not happy, get out and vote. Vote for the common sense candidate. Vote for common sense. Let's vote to change New York City and, and as we go forward. And whether anyone agrees with the amount of early voting days or not, there are more opportunities now than ever to exercise your right to vote. We had nine days of early voting. We have Election Day today from 6 uh, to 9 p.m., uh, plus uh, absentee balloting if you're not going to be in, you know, in the city uh, for Election Day. So it's really there really is no excuse not to participate. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much, Mike Ryan, uh, there with the Board of Elections, the Executive Director. Craig, thank you, too, so much for coordinating that. We appreciate it. 
Thank you, Mike. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Tony, great to hear your voice again. You got it. Take care, brother. Come to my dinner party, all right, Mike? All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks. And everybody, again, uh, as Mike was just saying so eloquently, uh, New York, polls close at 9, Connecticut, New Jersey, 8 p.m. So you still have a couple hours left, everybody. Get out and vote. And as you just said, Craig, every vote counts. Uh, Coming up, we have Congressman Brian Mast of Florida. He served also with the Israeli Defense Forces. Big news happening there. We're going to talk about that and a lot more after the break. Stay with us. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cots and Cosby. Uh, joining us now is Congressman Brian Mast of the great state of Florida, uh, served alongside also the IDF, the Israeli Defense Forces, also U.S. military as well. And Congressman, we are so happy to have you here. And, and I want to get uh, first your reaction because there's a lot of stuff breaking over there in Israel. Uh, there's some reports that there may be, I mean, there's definitely been discussions with the Biden administration pushing for a ceasefire, pushing for a pause. Uh, have you heard anything like if, if Israel is agreeable to that? Netanyahu's saying no way. What, what do you think? They are now surrounding Gaza City and Hamas headquarters as we speak, that hospital where the tunnels are below. Yeah, I think no way. I agree with Netanyahu. You leave your uh, foot on the throat of these terrorists. Uh, until you've stomped every one of them out. And the reason that you have to do that is to protect the lives of the soldiers that are going out there and doing this most dangerous work that any military operation could possibly conceive. The the urban terrain, the amount of population, the, the tunnel system, and the fact that you throw hostages into this entire mix you don't want to give them fuel so that they can start running the lights and the ventilation systems in those tunnels again, as one example. You don't want to give them other things that they can use as as a role for their militant wing that they steal from somebody that's supposed to be uh, humanitarian aid, because we know that's exactly what they do. So uh, the point is, you know, you keep your throat, your, your foot on. You know, I'm Congressman, too. Uh, today. We also heard from the families of hostages. They were on Capitol Hill and it was, it was so emotional. It was gut wrenching because of course they're worried now that they're surrounding that tunnel complex. Obviously Hamas is in there, but also there could be 10 American hostages and 230 others. Um, but they also said something and because you know the IDF, uh, you served with them. So you understand. Um, and, and I've spent a lot of time over in the Middle East. So I didn't serve with them, but I've, they are great fighters. And I want to hear your thoughts because they said, you know what? We better pray, uh, that Israel, uh, wipes out Hamas because guess what? You are next America. That was a really powerful statement. How important is this fight that Israel is doing? And are they ready for this? Cause this is going to, these guys are going to be ruthless. Israel has constantly basically been an aircraft carrier for the United States of America in the Middle East. They are that that landing pad of our values and uh, of our beliefs and of continuing the resolve that America has in that region. It's why they're one of our you know greatest allies at, at any time and, and in the, the region, anywhere across the globe. That's why that is the case. But when you look at the situation of, of what they're facing, you got to realize that, in my opinion, you have so many out there right now that are looking at the situation and saying, well, listen, if they don't have a black hood on 
and a green bandana or, or a green headband on, and they're not labeling themselves the Hamas, then they must be an innocent Palestinian civilian. And I think that's some of the most dangerous rhetoric that can be thrown out there. Um, and, and everybody should be very careful about labeling too quickly anybody over there as innocent because we know the way that they're educated. We know the way that they pay their quote-unquote martyrs. We know the way that they lob rockets into Israel day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, not just these specific conflicts that we're in right now. And we know the way that those people that are not exactly Hamas were out there taking people hostage, helping to take people hostage, um, poking the eyeballs out of people, working to kill them, not just military-age men, but, but women and youths as well. Congressman, it's Judge Richard Weinberg. Thanks for being on the show. I want to ask you from a military perspective, why is it so dangerous to have one of these so-called pauses or ceasefires? Because when you're conducting a military operation, one of the most important terms you could use is violence of action, right? You want to be more violent. Uh, for a more sustained period of time than the enemy combatant that you are coming up against. So if you have the capability to work under the cover of darkness because you have night vision optics, things like that, and they don't, you have a greater violence of action. If you have the ability to have uh, control the skies, drop ordnance from the sky or from surface to surface uh, with, with that kind of ordnance in a guided and precise way, the way Israel has and obviously America has as well, you have a greater violence of action because you, conduct, you can conduct those operations with your troops in close proximity so that they can immediately follow that, that blanketing of the battlefield. If you have the ability to connect your human intelligence and your geospatial intelligence and to, to the operators that are on the ground and working, you have a greater violence of action. If you have a greater level of training, you have a greater level of violence of action. So if you ask for a pause, you're letting those people that are, the, you know, those terrorists, that are being run ragged, you're letting them catch their breath. And Absolutely. You don't want to do that. You're right. Well, well co- thank you. Yeah, Congressman Brian Mass, thank, you, thank Congressman. you so much, and thank you for your great service to this country. Thank you, Congressman. And you Good know what we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. And get out and vote. Get out and vote. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.